The beginning of the 16th century was a time of exploration, of discovery and of curiosity. Columbus had recently discovered the New World. Europe was expanding rapidly with trade routes being opened with the East. These brought a wealth of exotic spices, plants and animals back from places such as India and China to satisfy curiosity, but also to display wealth and stature. Any self-respecting gentleman, nobleman or king wanted to display his wealth with a show of the unusual, the exotic and often the macabre. The natural world was becoming a focus of scientific and cultural interest as these explorers and travellers were returning with examples and illustrations of new species. One man recognised that this was a time of opportunity, of curiosity and wonder, and he capitalised on it. To this day, one of his creations, despite its inaccuracies, lives in the annals of science and of art as a true masterpiece. This is the story of Jura's rhinoceros. I'm Leanne Walker and this is Wonder, the show where each week I bring you tales of wonder and curiosity from across the globe about the people, places and events that shape our daily lives. Early 1515, the then Portuguese governor to India is leaving India to travel to Lisbon with gifts from the Sultan of Cambay, now Gujarat, to give to the Portuguese king, Manuel I. The king of Portugal, Manuel I, was the ninth child of Dom Fernando, and as such an unexpected monarch. The fortunate, as he was known, reigned for 26 years from 1495 to 1521. He was an ambitious and adventurous king, one who encouraged exploration. He oversaw significant expansion to the east, in India and China, and to the Americas. He recognised the advantages that these new trade routes would bring to commerce and to his nation's standing in the world. Both Spain and Portugal were, at this time, powerful nations with great influence. By 1498, a maritime route to India was discovered by Vasco da Gama. By the early 16th century, the maritime route to India, first discovered by him, was further developed by the second governor to India, Admiral Afonso de Albuquerque. As governor, the admiral served Portugal well. He strengthened his nation's standing and wealth through the expansion of these maritime trade routes to India. These and other events helped Portugal to establish an overseas empire, making it a very wealthy nation. Manuel used that wealth to build a number of royal buildings and to attract scientists and artists to his court. This was all carefully designed to send a message to all Europe and to the rest of the world. In 1514, Manuel I authorised Afonso to send an envoy to the Sultan of Cambay to get his permission to build a fortress in Doi, a city in the kingdom. The Sultan wouldn't agree to this, but to lessen the disappointment and maintain relations with the king, he gave Afonso a number of gifts from him to bring back to Lisbon for the king. Among the ivory furniture, porcelain and spices 
was a majestic adult Indian rhinoceros, an animal not seen in Europe for centuries. When the ship docked, the majestic Indian rhinoceros was offloaded and presented to the king. He was delighted. People came from all around to view this amazing beast. Soon after its arrival in Lisbon, word of it reached out across Italy, France and Germany, where in Nuremberg, one artist in particular, Albrecht Dürer, was fascinated by the news. Albrecht Dürer was born in 1471 in the city of Nuremberg in Germany. He was a third of 18 children. His father was a goldsmith, and it was he who originally taught his son Albrecht to draw. Albrecht had a keen eye, innate curiosity and a love of all things to do with the natural world. His natural talent ensured he was apprenticed at 15 to the Nuremberg painter Michael Volgamot. Over time, Albrecht became one of the greatest oil painters of the Northern Renaissance. His work was keenly sought after, prized and often copied. He was regarded as a complete artist, perhaps because of the training received from his father, and was equally famous for his exquisite watercolours, engravings and woodcut prints. His love of nature and the natural world was a constant source of inspiration for him. He was fascinated by it and was meticulous in ensuring that any depiction of an animal or plant was accurate. His attention to detail was exquisite, showing true mathematical application to all his work. Dürer once wrote, Nature holds the beautiful for the artist who has the insight to extract it. Thus, beauty lies even in humble, perhaps ugly things, and the ideal which bypasses or improves on nature may not be truly beautiful in the end. His famous watercolour painting of a young hare is to this day regarded as one of his best pieces and recognised as one of the great works in the history of art. It's a realistic depiction of a live animal, something that in the early 16th century was just not seen. Indeed, depictions of animals were really not seen in any great numbers until the 17th or the 18th centuries. Dürer's love of art meant that he was also a prolific artist, When he died in 1528, he left over a thousand drawings, all bearing his unique signature. Although he made his living creating beautiful works of art, Albrecht Dürer was also an astute businessman, recognising the value of his art and the opportunity that gave him to create wealth from it. At this time as now, owning original art was a luxury afforded only to a few. The legend of the Indian rhinoceros soon reached Albrecht in Nuremberg, and he was intrigued by it, not least from a technical and artistic standpoint, but also because of his innate curiosity about all things. This was very true of the rhinoceros he came to draw. It's believed that he was told of the rhinoceros by a fellow artist who had seen it. Whether he took notes or sketches is not known, but Albrecht set to work on creating a pen and ink drawing from the little information he had and from his own imagination. He'd heard that the rhino was elephant-like but shorter, was strong and fast, fearless and had scales and a horn. The resulting drawing, whilst not accurate, was incredible, his attention to detail quite spectacular. It shows the rhinoceros side-on with its head down. He captures the size and strength of the animal, and to do this he chose to show the folds of its skin on its back and sides depicted as armour plates and scales covering its legs. It has three tools on each hoof and a large horn at the front, 
with an additional small horn on its back, an unusual addition. The rhino's eye is very human-like, giving it an almost doleful expression. When you see the drawing and study it, you get a true sense that it has a feeling of life about it, of great power and also great imagination. Albrecht was very careful in his depiction of the rhinoceros to ensure that all who view it knew of its strength and of its importance. The scale of the drawing almost squashes the animal lengthways, the horn at the front sitting tight up against the edge as if the animal is caged, which is exactly how it was whilst it was being kept in Lisbon. The print itself measures 8.4 inches by 11.7 inches, with descriptive text in German above the drawing. Dura has signed it, 1515 Rhinoceros, with the U being replaced by a V, as was the way in those days. Below that, the letters AD in his distinctive style, what we might call a logo today, are clear. This was his work, and he wanted everyone to know it. He also wrote a description across the top in vernacular German. This is a translation by the British Museum and reads... On 1st of May, 1513, this should read 1515, was brought from India to the great and powerful King Emmanuel of Portugal at Lisbon, a live animal called a rhinoceros. His form is here represented. It has the colour of a speckled tortoise and it's covered with thick scales. It's like an elephant in size but lower on its legs and almost invulnerable. It has a strong sharp horn on its nose which it sharpens on stones. The stupid animal is the elephant's deadly enemy. The elephant is very frightened of it, as when they meet, it runs with its head down between its front legs and gores the stomach of the elephant and throttles it, and the elephant cannot fend it off. Because the animal is so well armed, there is nothing that the elephant can do to it. It's also said that the rhinoceros is fast, lively and cunning. An interesting description, I'm sure you'll agree. Recognising the public interest and curiosity the animal was creating, Albrecht Dürer took a quick decision. Rather than use the drawing and create a watercolour or oil painting from it, so it was only available to whomever purchased it, he could use the pen and ink drawing as a template. This could be converted using a woodblock carving into a print that could be reprinted over and over again and sold again and again. This would not only bring in a regular income, but it also opened up the image to many more people to enjoy and learn from. The opportunity that engravings, woodcuts and prints gave meant that the images could be owned by the masses, that working people could enjoy the work of the artists at home. Woodcut printing came into widespread use in Western Europe in about 1400, and Dürer's home of Nuremberg was one of the printmaking capitals of Europe along with Venice, so it was not surprising that he had an interest in and a keen knowledge of the printing technique. So this is exactly what happened. Albrecht Dürer copied the sketch across to a woodcut. This would make the printing of it more cost-effective, as it could be done accurately and multiple times without the image being affected. The carving of the woodblock was done by the woodcutters in his studio, a common practice. This type of work was a collaborative process. These would have been highly skilled people. The level of detail and intricacy in the image called for a high degree of accuracy and careful work. The image became known as Dürer's Rhinoceros. It's thought that within his lifetime the print was reproduced four to five thousand times. 
The original wood block eventually became fragile, having been reused so many times. It hasn't survived, having been last seen in the 18th century. Despite the inaccurate representation of the rhinoceros, because it has been penned by Albert Dürer, this made it the iconic image of its time. Another live rhinoceros wasn't seen in Western Europe again for over 50 years, and this representation became the standard from which copies were made. It remained popular even after more correct representations of the great animal were known. And what of the original rhinoceros? Well, King Manuel quickly grew tired of it and decided to send it to Italy to Pope Leo X, whom he was trying to curry favour with. Sadly, though, they never made it to Italy. On the way there, there was a storm at sea, the ship sank, and the rhinoceros, although able to swim, couldn't break free from its chains, and sadly drowned with the ship and its crew. Albert Dürer died in his hometown of Nuremberg in 1528. His original drawing of Dürer's rhinoceros is kept within the British Museum, having been gifted there, a treasure to preserve. The drawing, not only a great piece of technical work with its fine detail, interpretation and skill, also represented a world 600 years ago that was opening up, with new experiences and understanding, new discoveries and greater, more diverse connections being made. It began to show what the world has to offer. It was new and exciting, and still is to this day. Thanks for listening. For more information, links and sources, head on over to the website at www.injustoneday.com forward slash rhino. From this season onwards, I'd like to hear from you. If you have things you're curious about and would like to hear about on the show, or you just like to ask a question or leave some feedback, then you can let me know at www.injustoneday.com forward slash say hello. There's some instructions on how you can do that, or if you've got any difficulty, you can email me at hello at injustoneday.com. But until next time, thanks for being here and have a great day.